Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. We pray you are encouraged by today's message. For more information or to stay connected with what's happening at the river, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the River Claremont. I'm going to preach a message today called Two Kingdoms. I'll put a little bit of backstory before I do it. Uh, last week, I spoke about the importance of your words and ultimately your words coming from your heart, so protecting your heart. How many people realize that what gets in your heart comes through your mind? I used to preach the gospel's a heart message. It bypasses the mind and goes into the heart. But over the years, I began to realize the importance of you have to open your mind to the goodness of God, to the truth of the word in order for the Lord to reach you. It's like your mind is the filter of whether or not you're going to let it seep into your very being and become your belief system. So you hear things and pass it through. The enemy knows this. That's why your mind has crazy thoughts. Yeah, you know it's true. And like uh, we say, thoughts are just like a bird flying over your head. It does, you don't have to make a nest for it in your head so that it comes and lands there. Just because a thought came does not mean it is your thought. You can take authority over thoughts, the Bible says. Bring them into captivity and say, I don't want to think like that. I will, not, I will not meditate on those things. I will meditate on the word of God until I think like God and act like God and respond like God. Amen. Amen. It's the goodness of God. But years ago, many years ago, I was at Daystar Television and I met a man named P.G. Vargas. He's they call him the apostle of faith of India. He's an incredible man of God, has built a massive organization Probably the second largest ministry in the, in the nation of India right now. Three and a half thousand churches, Bible colleges, universities, women's homes. Incredible man of God. Very close friend with John Osteen, Joel Osteen's father. And a lot of miracles between the two of them that they saw. PG invited me to come to India. So I said, let's do this. So my wife and I fly there. And, and, and I tell people it's funny. They gave us a, 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 a folder of ministry in India, and I opened it up, and they were like, you know, welcome to India, things not to do. Do not preach about cows. It literally said, do not preach about cows. And I, I looked at my wife, I'm like, who, who preaches about cows? <laughs> like, what are we walking into right now that you actually have to be warned not to preach about cows? Like, who, who's ever got up and said, today I'm going to preach to you about cows, you know? So I was like, well, that, that's not a worry. I got up, man, a whole week. You would be surprised how many scriptures talk about cows. My God, I'm, I'm talking about slaying the fatted calf, the religious golden cow. I mean, I'm just the cattle on everything I read. And I'm like, how am I preaching about cows every single service? And the reason why they don't want you to talk about cows is because they worship cows. Cows are gods there. So you're driving through India. There's cows everywhere just eating trash and walking around because they're, they're supposedly gods or, or someone else. Even when we flew in there, there was a whole front page article that a temple had burned down because a sacred rat knocked over a candle. Burnt down the temple. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, obviously for us in America, we're like, something ain't right with these people. <laughs> Bro, like the day you worship a rat, you need to just check yourself before you wreck yourself. You know, like who in here has ever been compelled to like, look at that mouse. Oh, I honor you, man. No, you never. I mean, I guess we got Mickey Mouse here. People do kind of like put him up on a pedestal. But. You know, I'm like, I'm like, I'm reading the paper. I'm like thinking, and I'm preaching about cows, killing the cows, shooting the cow. And I'm like, what am I saying right now? Broke the place wide open. People are running forward, bowing before the Lord, getting saved, packed the building out. I was like, this is revival. All I got to do is talk about killing that cow outside. But the reason is, is because in, in India, they have, a, their primary faith is Hinduism. 
And in the Hindu faith, they literally have, it's something like two million gods. So they worship all sorts of things from rocks to animals. In fact, one city I was preaching in, if you kill a monkey by driving a car and the monkey ran out and you ran over the monkey, you would be tried for murder because the monkey is definitely recognized as former uh, people. And so this Hinduism, it's crazy faith for us in America. We don't relate to it, but people are raised in that. Then there's also a strong Islamic uh, force in India where Christians are persecuted by Islam in in India very badly. Some of them, there's still modern day killings, everything religiously motivated. And then you have Christianity. Southern India is largely Christian based. Then in the midst, as you get north, it gets more and more muddled with Hinduism, Muslims, and Christians. And I was in the north where it's volatile close to Pakistan when I was preaching. So I get up one day and I just, out of my spirit comes the words, there are two kingdoms. And I'm thinking, what am I talking about? You know, all these things. But in our minds, we begin to just look at the world as there's so many things going on in operation constantly around us. But the truth is there is actually only two kingdoms operating in the world right now, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. There are times that you have yielded yourself to the kingdom of darkness and you didn't intentionally yield yourself. You didn't realize it, but you were furthering the enemy's territory by the way you acted, by the words that you declared. Like last week, we spoke about words. You can come in agreement with darkness and you begin to speak it from your mouth. It gets in your heart. And next thing you know, you have exactly the fruit the kingdom of darkness wants you to have. And then there's the kingdom of light, God's kingdom that has a plan to advance. Both of these kingdoms are unseen realms. It's not like we're talking about literal shut the lights off. It's dark in here. Now the kingdom of darkness is operating. Turn the lights on. Hey, let there be light. We're talking about an unseen force in the world right now. But the unseen forces, whether the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of light, advance their kingdom by using men and women to carry about their deeds. You understand what I'm saying right now? And so ultimately, you can look and see the fruit of darkness and you can see the fruit of light in your own personal life and on a global scale, but you realize God and the enemy is using men and women that will yield themselves to that capacity to further their kingdoms along. So every day you have to check yourself, who am I yielding to right now in my life? What am I letting govern and what am I building with my words, with my actions every single day? What kingdom am I in alignment with right now? Because it is easy to slip from the kingdom of light right into darkness based upon your flesh. How many people realize, number one, let me establish this. For years we have talked about in the church that there's this waging war between heaven and hell and that there's this constant battle going on. Truth is, there is no battle between heaven and hell. Heaven has dominated and will always dominate and has never, ever, ever been under siege. Do you got that? Jesus is not sweating bullets up in heaven hoping the devil doesn't get a siege tower built to it. No. Heaven is the, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. God does not worry about anything. The devil's always been a creation, and the creator has always had power. The war is actually waged inside of you, in your mind. It's where the war is taking place. The strongholds, the yielding, the not yielding, the fighting, the, 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 all of those struggles take place right here on the inside of every vessel. That's why both kingdoms advance with men and women. Because you hold on the inside of you the ability to both build the kingdom of darkness or build the kingdom of light. The battle exists in yourself. Do you believe it? That's why certain things, you can wake up one day in full of faith and then you get bad news and now you don't have faith anymore. 
So did you have faith to begin with, or were you just going based upon how you felt in your flesh? I'm just going to talk over here to this wall right here. You look lovely, wall. Did you just paint yourself? It's the truth. We all think that we're great, and we all think that everything's pure in ourselves. But you have to constantly, you know, the Bible actually says that there's a way that seems right in the heart of man, but in the end thereof is death, and it says it twice. If it's repeated twice in the Bible, you should probably think about it extra long. Amen? And what is that meaning? Is that meaning that everybody's wicked? It means that wickedness is bound in the hearts of men, and only through the light of the gospel and encounters with God and the power of the word do you begin to break this junk off and begin to see things right and realize, I have been operating selfishly, I have been prideful, I have been arrogant, I have been angry, I have been jealous, but I don't want that in my life. So I yield myself to God and say, Holy Spirit... Fill me with the necessary things that I don't live like that anymore. Come on. Now, John 1, 1 through 5, to establish what I just said about heaven. Famous scripture. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not comprehend it. What does that mean? It means Jesus is the light of the world. He's been here from the very foundation. But the darkness that the devil has brought has never ever been able to figure out the kingdom of light and how to dominate and how to take it over. If you are in the kingdom of light and operating in that, you are absolutely safe and secure. The enemy cannot take you out. Hallelujah. Somebody shout amen. amen. Thank God for that, right? You don't have to worry about a siege at night when you get to heaven. When you get to heaven, there is no bombs going off artillery shells happening in heaven as we fight against the wages of hell that hell is defeated it's beneath our feet here on this earth the battle is still taking place on the inside of you based upon what you yield to each and every day amen, amen. romans 8 8 through 11 says so then those who are in the flesh cannot please god tough words there but you are not in the flesh but in the spirit if indeed the spirit of god dwells in you how many people you have the Spirit of God dwelling on the inside of you. Raise your hands. Thank the Lord for that. Amen? How many people, when you really got filled with the Holy Ghost, thank God, you know, he, he gave you uh, tongues, and you pray in the Holy Ghost and stir yourself up in that. He gave you peace. He gave you a comfort, made you a new creation. But beyond that, when you truly get born again by the Spirit of God, it's like, it's like lights are turned on on the inside of you. You're like, you see things different. You know things. It's like, wow, something just happened in the inside of me. And someone could argue with you for 50 years that God's not real, but you don't. You know. No, you cannot convince me he's not real. He made me brand new. Something changed on the inside of me when Jesus stepped into my life. Amen. Come on. Thank God for the Spirit of God. If you have the Spirit of God dwelling on the inside of you, you are different than everybody that does not have that. Now, if any of you does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. So your flesh is dying, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Amen. Basically, what's that saying is once you have been born again by the spirit of God, you still have a flesh. 
Your flesh is still subject to the things of this world, but by the Spirit, you can access healing, power, resurrection, and all the goodness of the kingdom of God. So though your body wants to fail you, God says, I will still protect and keep this mortal body strong so you run your race for me all the days of your life until you check out and leave this tent behind and step into glory. Amen? Amen. Who's excited about that? God has a plan for your life. If you believe it, shout amen. Amen. Come on, I love it. There is light, there is darkness. It's just absolute eternal spiritual truth. There is a light, there is a darkness. And you are at any moment yielding to one or the other. You don't yield to both simultaneously. It's based upon what is working and operating in you at that time. So I want to just point out some things. Basically, these parallel kingdoms are like polar opposites in many regards. So the kingdom of light would operate or function in the realms of love. Whereas the kingdom of darkness operates in the realms of hatred. You can see that in this world, and I just pointed out, you can look at the world right now, and you can see what people are yielding to. Would you agree with that statement? Yes. You can see hatred, and hatred does not fill the hearts of men and women that know Jesus. Full of love, it's like you can't even hate your enemy. You feel like you should hate them. You know what I'm saying? There's times you even argue with your head, you should not like this person but yet there's such love on the inside of you that you are filled with that love, and it's an unshakable love. That's the love that empowers you to love your enemies. That's the kingdom of light operating in you. But when you get into a realm of hatred, when you're so angry and so bitter and so twisted about someone that even if you think you're acting righteously because they did something wrong, you're actually yielding to the kingdom of darkness. And so all of your actions are perverted. And the, you're not building or making Jesus famous in any way. You are literally perverted and being manipulated by the kingdom of darkness. Because the enemy knows if he can get you to react from that low place that he wants you to, he's already hooked you and he'll lead you astray. Love and hatred, they're polar opposites. Healing and sickness. God's kingdom represents healing. He never brings you into the kingdom so he can inflict, inflict you with sickness to teach you a lesson. God says, man, by my stripes you are healed. You come into my presence, I am the great physician, the Lord God that heals. He's the balm of Gilead. He is the healer. Amen. How many people have been healed by the Lord before? Thank you, Jesus. He's not the one that inflicts you with sickness. But the kingdom of darkness comes and twists and attacks the body and attacks the flesh to make you sick, to make you feel worn out and worn down and, 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 and like given up. But God says, I'm healing there's healing in my presence. Stay in the kingdom of light. But if the enemy can get you sick in your body and attack your faith and make you begin to think it's the Lord, then he leads you off in the years of suffering your entire life. The kingdom of light is a kingdom of peace. In fact, the Bible says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. It's a kingdom of peace. Peace does not mean there is not problems going on around you. Peace means that it doesn't matter what goes on around you. You are steadfast on the inside because the one that you are serving has already been to the end and came back to tell you it's going to work out good. It's going to work out good. Hallelujah. But in the kingdom of darkness, there's anxiety and there's worry. That's where the enemy wants to keep you. So that at nighttime, you're not resting, you're not sleeping, you're worried about this, you're anxious about that. Is this going to work out? Is this going to be okay? Is my business going to make it? Is my marriage going to make it? Are my kids going to get saved? So you get in this realm of just such stress that there's no peace. And from that, you react and you, you're short-tempered and you're spewing off all sorts of things. Then your mouth begins to agree with what you worry about. 
So then you're literally building the kingdom of darkness through your own words because he's got you so anxious on the inside. You're declaring what he wants you to declare. My business probably will fail. My marriage probably won't make it. My kids, they'll probably wind up dying young. Don't ever say those things. If you say them, put your hand over your mouth, slap yourself with the other hand, repent before the Lord, and declare the opposite. Say, the Lord is on my side. I have peace in the midst of everything. I will not worry. I will not fret. Come on, somebody. God is on your side. Come on. And when you get the revelation, it's the goodness of God and the peace of heaven. In the midst of storms, there's actually excitement that builds in you. Where everybody else is worrying, you're like, this is going to be a great story. Oh, I'm about to have a testimony that I can tell in front of the church and be like, yeah, 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 yeah. And the whole place is going to run around being like, Jesus, live like that. Come on, somebody. It's getting tight. That just means breakthroughs on the way. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Joy. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of light is a kingdom of joy. Kingdom of darkness is depression, oppression, heaviness. Make you feel like nobody cares about you and nobody knows your name and nobody's there for you and blah, 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 and blah, 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 blah. When I, before I got saved, literally, I was an idiot, number one, as we all were before we got saved. Even the wise were foolish. And so I remember getting in a fight with a dude about whose life was the worst. Seriously, we're comparing our lives, trying to make my life is way worse than your life. I look at that now and I'm like, my gosh, how stupid can you get and still breathe to where you're wanting your life to be more miserable than someone else's. But that's the kingdom of darkness. The devil loves to get you in that pity party place where you feel like you're the only one that has ever had to go through this before. And look at woe is me. And everybody, of course, they are happy. Look at their life. Everything's great for them. They've not been where I've been. They don't know what I know. Shut up. It's the kingdom of darkness you're agreeing with. Getting in your mind that, that nobody cares for you. Nobody cares for you. Jesus came, died on the cross. He rose from the grave. He called your name. He danced over you. He sang over you. He's got a plan for you. And he's looking to fill you with his presence right now. Hallelujah. The kingdom of joy, not depression. When you got God on the inside of you, you laugh just because you laugh. At death and destruction, the Bible says you shall laugh. That means when things break loose, a person of God's like, <laughs> that's crazy. Person without that's like, oh my gosh, it's going to affect me. And you're just like, Real? I, I, I actually didn't think about that. Joy, not depression. We have, uh, this is probably the most, modern society we're in right now might be the most depression-ridden society that has ever walked the earth. Suicide is the number one violent cause of death. That's awful. You think about how the enemy is winning just in this particular place. And if you notice, it's like the kingdom of darkness. It's almost like when one person in a family suffers from it and it takes them out, you begin to see it hit the uncle. The sister, the cousin, the brother. And it's like, it's like the kingdom of darkness gets in and that thought is woven into their fabric that there's something wrong with them and nobody cares for them. And they wind up being drugged into that same prison cell of hopelessness to where ultimately their life is ended. But God came to fill you with joy and joy unspeakable. Amen. Came to give you a hope and a future. Somebody say a hope and a future. Hallelujah, man. I don't care if you come to God broke, beaten down, 
discuss it. God will give you a brand new lease in life, fill you with his spirit, put his joy and his peace on the inside of you, raise you out of darkness and put you into some great things. If you believe it, shout amen. amen. The kingdom of joy. Hallelujah for that. Thank God too that he's a, he's, a, he's a kind God. He's a generous God. He could be anything he wanted to be. And yet he chose to just love and he chose to fill you with joy and peace. He came to give you a plan and a hope and a future and to put his spirit on the inside of you and to pay every price because he knew you're too fickle to pay the price. And thank God for that because you know it's true. You're like, yesterday I was full of faith. Today, not so much. Provision. It's a kingdom of provision. The kingdom of light is one of provision. God supplies your every need. His Bible says, don't worry about tomorrow. Because I will take care of you. And he says, look at the birds. Look at the flowers. They're all adorned great. They're all well fed. Don't you think that you mean more to me than all of that? So he says, don't worry about anything. I will provide everything you need. How many people can testify that when you needed something, God just provided supernaturally? It's great. It's precious. It actually makes you grateful for that moment that you were even at that place. As Paul said, I have learned to be content and, 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 and excited whether I have a lot or I have a little because in that I have learned that he is with me and he is all that I need. Because sometimes in those lower places when other people don't have the Lord bail them out but you know Jesus and you kept your heart on the Lord and you kept your eyes upon the Lord he came through for you supernaturally and it's a testimony of the goodness and the grace of God that the king of kings, the ruler of everything would find you at a low place and say not today, I've got you taken care of. Come on, somebody. But the kingdom of darkness is one of poverty. Just look at the world today. If you go into the poor, really ran down areas of America or anywhere, what is almost always around? It's all sorts of perversion. There's drugs running rampant. There's nightclubs and strip clubs and every bit of perversion under the sun. And it's like the fruit of that is a homeless, strung out, poverty-stricken, hard lives people are living in the midst of that because anywhere the kingdom of darkness can set itself up and goes unchecked, he's going to manifest his kingdom. And his kingdom is one of suffering, pain, abuse, all sorts of wickedness, everything nasty that you could ever think about the kingdom of darkness stands for. The Bible even says it's so wicked, there's things they do we don't even, we don't even speak about. That's the realms of you can see the kingdom of darkness in this world right now. You can know. Based upon what you see with the natural eye, what kingdom has been advanced in that particular area? The kingdom of light comes in. Kingdom of light can come into a poverty-stricken Africa, war-torn, racial wars, tribal wars going on and build supernatural things and raise men and women up and turn wickedness into just supernatural things where joy and peace exist and miracles are happening. That's the kingdom of light. And I'm going through this because I want you to realize that in your life, there are times that you wake up and you're full of joy and there's times that depression wants to come on you and you think you're just having a bad day. You need to realize you're not just having a bad day. You're under a siege. You're under attack right now that the kingdom of darkness is trying to get in your world and mess up what God wants to do. And you got to stand guard, gird yourself up, hold up the shield of faith and say, not today. I will not let myself slip into that darkness ever again. I belong to the kingdom of light, and his way is my way, and his way is the good way. Unity is is the kingdom of God, and division is the kingdom of darkness. Look at the world today. 
Anywhere you can see someone propping up division, racial division, social class division, financial division, everything to point out how we're different, to bring separation because the Bible says a divided house cannot stand. The enemy loves to bring division, but God came, the Bible says in the gospel, there is neither uh, Greek nor Jew, new Jew nor Greek, male nor female, bondsman or slave. It's like all of that has gone away with. In the eyes of the Lord, it doesn't matter what your story has been. You now belong to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You have a new family. Amen. Amen. And the enemy loves to point out differences. If you look for differences in people, you will always find differences. But that's why we're not called to compare our lives to other people. We're called to look to the Lord and just trust him and follow him and be grateful every day that we have because it's a blessing and it's a, it's a gift from God that you have today. Amen. The kingdom of heaven is one of generosity, but the kingdom of darkness is one of greed. You can see that when you're coveting, when you get in this place where you're greedy, you want more than other people or you want what someone else has. It happens in the church all the time. People slip into that place. Why do they have more? Why are they blessed with that? Who cares? Stop focusing. All that is is once again bringing division and then it's also filling your heart with malice and envy towards you deserve something that... They got it and you didn't get it. But the kingdom of heaven is one of generosity. It's where whatever I have, I'm willing to give to another person. If I have one steak, I'll cut it in two and I'll feed you. And we will both rejoice the fact that we had a steak that night. Amen. It's the fact that if I have a shirt on my back and you need a shirt, I can give you this shirt because I trust that the Lord will supply me with 10 more shirts. Amen. Come on. It's one of generosity. When I got saved, that's probably one of the first things I recognize it's like I didn't care about any of my worldly stuff anymore. You can have everything I've got. I'll take my shoes off my feet and I'll wear, I'll be barefoot running around in socks for the rest of the day. I did it. Take your shoes off, give it to a stranger. The Lord told me to give you this because he says, I'm going to give you a brand new path. And from now on, you got new shoes to walk in it. And you're like, that is weird. But at the end of the day, it's the Lord breaking you into this place of generosity where it's like, I don't, things don't have me. Things are just things that the Lord blesses me with things, but they don't own me and they're not my God. The kingdom of heaven is one of generosity, where you're just generous. Whatever you have, you're willing to give away. But the kingdom of darkness is greedy, fights to obtain more, steals, covets, manipulates, strategizes how to take from another in order to get for themselves. But in the kingdom of heaven, the reason why we're generous is because we understand that our supply is limitless. That there is not a lack in heaven. There has never been a lack in heaven. So if God is your source, you don't have to worry about anything in this world because he has more than enough to take care of those who belong to him. Do you believe that? Shout amen. amen. Kingdom of light is one of kindness. And the kingdom of darkness is one of anger. It's angry. Always angry. Always disgruntled. And people don't realize this, but even in the church, this goes unchecked so much. We talk about lust. We talk about these perversions, we talk about greed, we talk about pride, but oftentimes we leave anger aside because we're like, everybody's going to get angry sometimes. Anger, and when you let the kingdom of darkness get in your life and build people to a place of anger, that's what leads to murder. That's what leads to all sorts of ways. We have seen people that they get angry and it's like the devil takes them out of the church just from anger. The kingdom of darkness operates in that realm where you get so mad at people that you just plot their demise and you can't let it go and you just feel like they need you to, to reckon them for it. Well, the kingdom of heaven is one of kindness, or it's like someone is rude to you. I remember one time I had a waitress, and I know this is probably a poor example based upon when I'm talking about murder, you know. 
but the waitress was so rude. I mean, snapped at us. Just like, yeah, whatever. I mean, it was like the weirdest thing ever. And you're like, what did I do? Like, I'm just trying to order a meal right now. And at the end of the thing, I, I, I look over at the people with me. I was in Bible school, and I'm like, I'll tell you what. that She ain't getting no 20% from me. <laughs> Maybe five. And then the Lord rebuked me. He said, I want you to give her $100. And I was like, <laughs> I bind you, Satan. <laughs> Get thee behind me. And so I'm like, man. And then I'm like, I hear it again. And I know it's the Lord. And I look at the dude with me. And I'm like, I feel like I'm supposed to give her $100. And he said, the Lord told me to do the same thing. And the other guy's like, the Lord told me to do the same thing. And we're like, we shouldn't have said that out loud. Now we have to do it. Because <laughs> three people don't feel that, you know. We all give her a $100 tip. And we had like a, you know, $8 meals. She literally breaks down crying. And it's like, I'm so sorry I was short with you. I literally, my, my, I was about to get kicked out of my house today. I have a, a, a young daughter. My, my husband ran off and left me. I've been a single mom, struggling to make ends meet. And I felt at the end of my rope today, I nearly didn't even come in today because I didn't know what to do. And I needed $300 today to pay my back rent. Let me tell you something. It's like if you let yourself be reactionary to the world instead of proactive through the, the kingdom of light, you're just literally going to be yielding to the enemy the whole time and not producing anything that heaven wants you to produce. But if you stop long enough and get in tune with that kingdom of light on the inside and realize God wants to do something at any moment everywhere I'm at, I just got to get the mind of Christ to build this thing. Amen? Hallelujah. And I can tell you most confidently, you give $100 when God tells you to give $100, he's got a blessing coming back your way. So don't get caught up on a hundred bucks. Whatever the Lord asks from you, give it because he's going to bless you in return. When he needed a boat to preach in, the people that gave him the boat to preach in got a boat sinking load of fish. Come on, that's my God. Amen. If Jesus asks something from you, be willing to do it because it's going to turn out good for you. The kingdom of light is one of gratitude and the kingdom of darkness is one of jealousy. So wake up every day and be grateful for what you got. Don't, jealous, don't be jealous over what someone else has. Be grateful for what God has given you. And if you develop in yourself a spirit of gratitude, joy is going to overflow in your life. We talked about this last week. And everything around you is just going to get sweeter. Where the smallest thing you're grateful for, which makes big things even mind-blowing. Some people, it's like you can't impress them no matter what. You could give them a house and they'd walk in there and be like, it's only a three-bedroom. I really wanted a four. You know people like that too. I mean, people have seen videos of kids getting brand new BMWs, and they're like, I wanted the blue one. And you just feel like somebody needs to take old Nancy and give her a good pow-pow right now. I know she's 20, but spankings still work. <laughs> Be grateful, amen? It's crazy. The enemy wants to keep you in that place where it doesn't matter what God does for you, you still feel like he's not doing anything. Developing yourself gratitude. That's the kingdom of light. So these two kingdoms, both, they don't require for us to know which kingdom we're advancing for us to do it. So that's why you have to check your heart. You have to check what's going on in your life and, and understand, what am I operating from right now? Is it through jealousy, greed, pride, arrogance, lust? Or is it through the goodness of God, the righteousness of God, the joy of the Lord, the peace of heaven? What is costing my actions right now? Am I angry at the person that cut me off and that's why I've got road rage right now? 
Or if I'm letting peace govern and, and be the umpire of my heart and I'm staying calm and I'm blessing those that even cost me harm because I'm keeping my eyes on the kingdom of God and I'm going to advance what God wants me to advance right now. We at all times are operating in different realms. The question is, what realm are we operating in? So last week when I talked about that, your words in your heart, that's why it's so important as a believer. Paul said, you know, I, I don't judge other people. I would rather judge myself so that I constantly inspect myself, lest I do all of this and lose my own salvation. That I have to constantly check my own heart before the Lord. What am I doing this for? Where is my heart right now? What is actually going on in my mind and in my thought life? Where am I right now? Is my soul healthy as well as my body healthy right now? Are you with me today? So it's like you can get in that place where it's like you've let something get in. And it gnaws at you and gnaws at you until it becomes something big. That's why you people, I don't think anybody wakes up and says, I want to be a serial killer. Nobody wrote in kindergarten, what do you want to be when you grow up? A serial killer. If so, then we would just go ahead and take him out, you know, and sha-da-da-da, come out in the name of Jesus, splash him with oil and get him free. These things happen because over time, the enemy's just worn down their defense and worn down their defense until they get to a place where they just wholeheartedly commit to what the kingdom of darkness wants them to commit to. And before long, their life is not their own, and it's literally a slave to the kingdom of hell pushing through their agenda and it destroys everything in their life. Likewise, you can take a drug addict, you can take a poor person, you can take someone that grew up in a broken, abusive home, never even having a father, get them full of the, God, the, the word of God and full of the spirit of God, and they can raise up and govern a family that is righteous, that peace governs in there because they have lended themselves to another kingdom. And you have to check, what am I being governed by regularly? What is, what is like the heart of my actions every day? Is it coming from a pure place in the kingdom of heaven? Or am I just operating and reacting to a broken world and letting myself just be subject to what other people feel at that time? If other people's stress messes with you, you got to check yourself and realize, man, I am letting myself be governed by what is happening around me instead of what is happening in the inside of me through the constant renewal of the word of God on the inside. Amen? Psalm 1, 1 through 6. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. But the ungodly are not so, they are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. You have to constantly check yourself. What am I meditating on? And what is in my life that is governing my actions right now? Why do I feel this way? Is it because the kingdom of God is leading me to it? Or is it the kingdom of darkness manipulating me to be something I'm not supposed to be? That's why your own personal encounters with God and intimacy with the Holy Spirit is so important. It's like you're the one that's fighting this battle. And if all you do is hear other people's breakthrough, but you don't drive into that intimate place with God yourself, then you're going to always hear about other people's victory, but you're not going to have it yourself. You're going to stay in that place of torment or of defeat where you never win the battle yourself. And if you don't win this battle, you can't win the battle out there. And the enemy knows if he can keep you always warring on the midst here, you're never going to gain any territory for the kingdom of light. But God says, man, I, I came to give you a life and life abundance. 
and to set you truly free. Not halfway free, not somewhat free, but all the way free. Amen? Amen. Meditate on the word. Let yourself know that. And then drive, go into the presence of the Lord. Because your testimonies literally become encounters that spark in other people what they can get from God and how they can approach the Lord and how their lives can be transformed. It absolutely matters. Your own personal walk with the Lord influences people in the church, in your family, and everywhere you go. Whether you're in the kingdom of light or in the kingdom of darkness, people begin to see the fruit that comes from your life. Amen? So there's always a war going on for us. Heaven is one, but the war you fight all the time. God has given you tools to be victorious in the battle. Amen. How many people are, number one, grateful that God has already won? And as long as you keep yourself, just submit it to the Lord and be like, God, you're my everything. You know, I had a bad day, <laughs> but I lay myself back at your feet and I recommit myself to you and I'm sorry that I, you know, and then the Lord is gracious to forgive you. But God empowers you with tools so that you live a victorious life. And mature believers, which I, uh, this church stands for, we believe in mature believers. We don't just believe in milky words that keep you always as a newborn baby, always needing your diaper changed on Sundays. The ultimate goal is that you grow up. Amen. You grow from the milk to the meat to the mysteries of God, to the mysteries of the spirit realm, where you're literally diving into the spirit of God and discovering things that need to be discovered for your walk to be successful. Amen. How many people realize you can never exhaust the richness of God's word and absolutely a spirit? Amen. It's limitless capacity what God has made available to the church, but you've got to have that hunger to drive you forward to it. But God's given us tools. That's why this battle exists, because the enemy wants to distract you so that you're always warring in yourself with these things and your flesh dominating you so that you never mature in the spirit. Because when a person matures in the spirit, they become untouchable by the world and walking in a supernatural place where provision follows them, blessing follows them, their word carries power and authority, and they bring other people along the way because people see the fruit of their life. You're called to be that way. Amen. I don't care if you were raised in a broken home and your whole life has been a struggle up till now. God says, I will turn it around today. If you keep your eyes on me, I will put you on a brand new path and blessing will follow you all the days of your life. Amen. Surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life and your cup will run over and you will eat in the presence of your enemies and they will look at you mad while you feast on the goodness of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Tools we've been given. Number one, the blood of Jesus. Never, ever forget how powerful his blood is. It washed you white as snow. It bought you. It brought you into a brand new family so that your blood is now infused with the blood of Christ. You belong to a royal family, an eternal family. Your nature has been changed. Your name has been changed. Your spirit has been born again, new by the, by the glory of God on the inside. You are a supernatural being because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. It's a perfect blood. He was absolutely perfect in every way. He made a blood covenant for you because he knew that you would fail. So he cut it with his own son and through that blood, now you have access to the father at all times, whether you have a good day or a bad day when you come through the blood of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. It breaks every curse. Do you know that? We have, we have people talking about seven ways to break a curse. There's one way to break a curse. It's the shed blood of Jesus Christ. 
And I'll say this, I said in the first one, it doesn't matter if your grandmother was a witch with 800 in their coven, sacrificing chickens and pouring the blood on you. If you get under the blood of Jesus, every weapon of hell is broken off of your life. It's not a halfway job. One drop of the blood drives out every bit of darkness in your life. Do you believe it? Shout amen. amen. Oh, come on. It raises the dead. That blood gave us supernatural authority and power. That shed blood of Jesus Christ washed, purified, made us brand new, bought us and turned us into children of God. Whereas before, the Bible says you're of your father, the devil, children of darkness, born in this world, governed by this world, no access to anything other than this world, but the blood of Jesus brought you into a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy. And now you're in this world, but you're no longer of this world. Are you with me today? The blood of Jesus is a tool. How does it work in my life? You apply it through the reading of the word, the washing of the water of the word constantly in your mind. You meditate on the fact that my identity is not what it once was. I am identified as a child of the living God. I am known by him and he knows me. Come on. Or he knows me and I know him. You have that relationship. And you've got to build on that relationship. So many believers are apt to call a prayer line to get 800 people they don't know praying for them, but they don't go to the Lord themselves. They don't have that active relationship. The blood was given to implied to your life to give you a personal relationship with the Father above. Hebrews says in chapter 10, verse 19, it says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated through us, through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. That's the blood of Jesus. Man, you read about it, and you read the, put it in perspective, the Old Testament, that when they would bring in the, the blood of the sacrifice of goats and everything once a year to cover the sins of the people, to steal the anger of the Lord off of the Israelites because of the wickedness that they were doing. The high priest would go in there, and it was such a holy moment. He had a rope tied to his ankle and bells upon his cloak because if he was in there without a pure heart himself, he would fall dead in the presence of the Lord. Could you imagine that? So when they didn't hear the bells jingling anymore, they drug out the dead high priest and nominated someone else to carry the blood in. Who wants that job? You know, it's like suddenly everybody's like, no, man, I just want to bake the showbread. You know what I'm saying? I'm a really good baker. I can knead like nobody can knead. You know, I got this. George, George looks like high priest material to me. Go get him, George. It was so holy. The presence of the Lord is so holy that you couldn't access it. You were, you're, you, it, we, we had no access to God. That's why they would create golden calves. That's why they would make man-made idols because they could approach a man-made idol and they could see it and they could touch it and they could pray and feel justified. But they couldn't approach the holy presence of the Lord because we couldn't get there on our own. But by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, my gosh, the spirit of God comes to fill you up. You became the temple of God. That, that tabernacle in the wilderness, the veil was torn and ripped in two. And God says, I will no longer dwell in, a, in a, a, a structure made by man. I will dwell in one that I make. Speaking about you. Come on, somebody. Man. 
I'm a blood-bought, Bible-toting, devil-stomping, tongue-talking, Holy Ghost tornado, and I'm proud to say it. I am not the same. <laughs> Woo! The blood of Jesus Christ, pure, holy, and it brings you into the presence of the Almighty, where you can go before the creator of heaven and earth and make your petitions known. And he says, when you do that, I will give you what you ask. What? Imagine if you got a text just from the, the president. You can come to the White House and ask anything of me, and I'll give it to you. You would be bragging everybody. I can go to the White House. I can meet the president. I can do this. Well, you got access to someone greater than the president. Come on, somebody. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, says, come into my presence by the shed blood of Jesus, my son, that I willingly paid for you, and I would do it a thousand times over. Come before me, pour out your heart, and I will give you what you ask of me. How do we win this battle? We win this battle in the presence of the Lord. Because in the presence of the Lord, darkness flees. When you start feeling depressed, you start feeling anxious, you start feeling worried, you start feeling stressed, you start dealing with lust or greed or anger, whatever it is, you run into the presence of the Lord, not from it. We tell people that when we go soul winning, we say, when you mess up, don't run from God, run to God. You run right in the heart of the Father say, Jesus! And he's like, what? Come here. Big old bear hug papa. And the goodness of God washes over you, and all that darkness begins to flee. And the next thing you know, you're crying, you're laughing, you're jumping, you're crying. It's like, yeah! Live like that. Run into his presence. Which leads me to the next thing. The next thing God gave us is church. Say church. Come on, somebody. People say, he gave us that? He did. It's God's plan A for this world is the church. This is where the generals get raised up. This is where the next prophets come from, the next teachers, the next pastors, the next evangelists, the next apostles. God said, I put my church there and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Come on, somebody, because you come into this presence here when a bunch of people come with one thought. I'm coming to worship the Almighty. Amen. I'm going to get into his presence and worship. I'm going to shout. I'm going to dance. I'm going to jump. And God responds, and the glory of heaven fills the place. You are transformed whether you knew it or didn't know it. Are you with me right now? I was a drug addict when I started coming to church. I know it's hard to believe. People say, I never see it in you. That's because you don't see it in this guy because that guy is dead. Hallelujah. And I just kept coming and kept coming. And everybody else had freedom and I had bondage. But I knew if I hang around free people. That that freedom becomes something that's going to associate it with me. It's going to splash over. The kingdom of God is a contagious advancing kingdom. And when you come in here full of faith, full of wonder, praising the Lord, you don't know it, but you're dancing and you're shouting and your breakthrough is breaking someone through that came in depressed, anxious, wondering if anything was going to change in their life. And suddenly they feel freedom on the inside of them. The chains are broken and their life has changed. God gave church so that we could come in iron sharpening iron. There's sometimes that even as mature believers, you need someone that loves you to look you in the face and say, you're wrong. You know it's true. Sometimes you need a slap. Sometimes you need a hug. Where are you going to get that? From the world? At the bar? Is the bartender going to be the one to lead you into light? Or a fellow brother and sister in Christ? that is full of the word, that is pressing in, that has their own testimonies and their own things they went through to infuse you with the strength to know the devil wants to take me, 
but he ain't going to win. Because he tried on all of you guys, and look how much he loses time after time after time. Because we're still shouting, we're still praying, we're still glorifying the one that matters the most. That's freedom. That's church. Mm. Is church perfect? No. It's full of a bunch of screwed up people. (laughs) See, that's what the enemy wants you to think. Well, church isn't that perfect. It was never meant to be perfect. It's meant to be a bunch of imperfect people chasing a perfect God. It's meant for us to all be here. Some days we get it right. Some days we're a little off. But you know what? We are unified with this one thing. We come to get into his presence. Hallelujah. So if you're like, is it, is it good in here? No, man. The Bible even talks about tares among the weeds. Matthew, Matthew 13 talks about there's tares that grow among the weeds. What is the, what is the Bible talking about? It's saying that the enemy will sow people in churches to gossip, to bring division, to bring pride and arrogance and all sorts of stuff. There's leeching businessmen that come into the church to try and leech you into some business strategy they got to, you know, take all your money and run on down the road. That happens. How do we get rid of them? Well, if you got the Holy Ghost and you know, you drive them out. We've, we've asked people to leave. <laughs> You got to do that to protect the flock. You don't want a wolf sitting by you. But beyond that, it's going to happen. So now because some, you fell victim to somebody that was utilizing the kingdom of darkness, are you going to just give up on everything that God wants to do in your life? No, you got to stay strong and realize now more than ever, I'm going into the body of Christ. I'm stirring myself up. I'm surrounding myself with people of faith. Again, the devil will not take me out. I will win because I am more than a conqueror. Hallelujah. Continuing even in Hebrews, what we just read. If you keep reading from about the blood of Jesus Christ going into the Holy of Holies, the next verse says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. So what's he talking about? Joining together, stirring up on the inside of each other, love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more when you see that day approaching. Church is family. Not perfect, but you know, if you take your actual blood family, you got the weird uncle, you got the crazy aunt, You got the cousin that nobody's seen since 1973, and we're trying to figure out if they're still alive or not. But it's family, and family's family. You're joined together by blood, and blood is thicker than water. When you are bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, this became your family. Amen? Surround yourself with people that love your father as much as you love your father, and you will never be disappointed when you belong to a family. Amen? Church is one of the most beautiful places because everything we went through of the kingdom of light operates here. Generosity, faithfulness, joy. It's like people walk in needing things. You see church rally behind them. The next thing they leave and they have a baby, don't have anything. They got everything the baby needs. It's like babies just born into the world like a royal princess with everything you could ever imagine. That's, that's the church, man. And it's precious to watch it. When you need a car, you come to church and some person gives you a car. Doesn't happen in the world, but it's like the generosity of the kingdom of heaven enriches your life and it becomes this thing where you're like, I want to be a part of that. Not just in the receiving, but I want to be a part of the giving. I want to be the one exhorting. I want to be the one pouring life. I want to be the one giving the hugs. I want to be the one praying for other people. I want to be the one woke up in the middle of the night for a brother in the church because God trusted me to pray him through. 
You with me right now? That's precious. It's family. It's what you belong with. So God gave us the blood. He gave us the church, which is our family. And then God gave us angels. How many people realize that God has given his angels charge over you? Now, when we think about angels in modern society, we think about pretty women and naked babies floating around. But that's not what angels are. Thank God that, that we're not, Michael's not some naked cherub floating around with his rear end hanging out. They're warrior angels. They're mighty. They're strong. People that see angels fall on their face and pray for that if they're going to even live. They're terrifying to look at. It's God's angelic warriors, which the Bible says I make, he makes his ministers flames of fire. Speaking about the angels of the Lord. These angels have charge over you. There are those of you in here, you should be dead. And you walk through stuff that would have killed everybody in the world. And yet you're just sitting here right now like, the Lord is good. Yeah, the Lord is good. Yeah, that's right. You're right. You know, it's crazy. When you get in the church and start listening to what people have lived through, you're like, my gosh, angels are real. I mean, myself, when I was 17 years old, before I knew the Lord, like I said, I was an idiot. I was drinking one night, and I climbed out on the hood of a Jeep at 70 miles an hour on the interstate to cover the headlights with my hand. So I'm laying on the hood, covering the headlights and laughing. And then I stand up, and the wind catches my chest and blows me out of the Jeep. And miraculously, with one hand, I grab the roll bar on the way flying past it, and it swings me into the backseat of the Jeep, and I'm laughing. You know what happened? An angel was like, oh, my gosh, this moron. I mean, the angel actually had to check his own self right there. Do I want to just let him go because he deserves it? Am I going to listen to my father that made me and make, you know, I'll put him back in the chair? One day this moron will not be a moron anymore. I promise you. And how many people are thankful that you were not judged at that moment in your life? Angels of the Lord fought for you. It may be sacrilegious, but I, I, I said one time, if you could see my angel, he's probably the one with the peg leg. One eye missing and a crooked wing because I put him through hell. He was like, bam, bam, bam. Oh, gosh, Lord, are you sure this is the one? <laughs> Caleb Elias. That's it. Okay. All right. Just checking. I'm just wondering because it doesn't look like we're getting anywhere right now. <laughs> Friend of mine in the ministry, Jonathan Shuttlesworth, his dad, was an evangelist for many years. One night, I love this story. One night, he was finished a revival, was driving home in the early hours of the morning through West Virginia, through the mountains and stuff, I believe West Virginia, and about three o'clock in the morning, he fell asleep driving on curvy mountain roads, just fell out, sleeping, and a, a woman that was a faithful contributor to his ministry, the Holy Spirit woke her up in the middle of the night and said, pray for Tiff, so she began to pray for Tiff. Lord, cover him, sent your angels and camped about him. I thank you, Lord, that no harm can come to him, no weapon formed against him can prosper. She's just praying fervently from about three till, till four, four or five, something like that. And then it lifts off of her. She feels peace. She goes back to bed. It's early in the morning. And then about nine o'clock, she wakes up and she calls Tiff's wife. She knew the family and said, man, I was praying for Tiff. What was going on? She said, you're not going to believe this. Tiff fell asleep driving on the roads of, of, of West Virginia in the mountains, the curvy roads. And he said he woke up about four o'clock in the morning and he looked to his side and there was an angel on the side of the car holding it. 
And I looked to the other side, another angel on the other side holding the car. And he watched the steering wheel just turning before him along the curves. And he realized at that time, if the Spirit of God woke him, he grabbed the wheel. And then the angels disappeared and he drove the rest of the way home. But God has your back, church. Come on, somebody. The angels of the Lord are set and camped about you. I don't remember. I remember how many times my mom, I remember my mom dropping my brother off at my, his friend's house. And we're driving away in the minivan, and she's like, Father, I just thank you that the angels of the Lord are encamped about my son, that no harm can come to him. And I just remember thinking, geez, Mom, nervous much? (laughs) And then I look back at my life, and I know I'm alive because I had a praying mom, a praying grandmother, and the angels of the Lord took it seriously and were loose to be encamped about our family and protect us. And you pray and recognize that, man. I loose the angels of God to protect my children, to protect my family, to protect my household. No weapon formed against us can prosper. There are more with us than there are against us. Come on, somebody. The army of the Lord is not small. It is mighty and it is strong. Psalm 91, 11 through 12. He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. And in their hands, they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. Amen. Fourth tool, final tool. You're hungry and you're staring at me. Like, can we take communion with an Italian sub as the bread? The fourth tool that the Lord has equipped you with is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ that dwells on the inside of you. It's more than just a prayer language, but with it, it gave you a prayer language to pray the perfect will of God. Beyond that, it's the Spirit of Christ filling you and giving you access to the mind of God so that when you read this Bible, you have this, the author of the word present there with you on the inside to point you to the things that you need to realize and need revelation about. Amen? Amen. It's powerful. The Holy Spirit of God on the inside of you is the supernatural presence of heaven equipping you to take territory for the kingdom of God. When you know not how you ought to pray, the Spirit himself maketh intercession through you with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Romans chapter 8. The Spirit of God on the inside of you equips you supernaturally. My pastor in Nashville, one night he was going to bed and his daughter was missing at the house. She was running around with a bad crowd and he couldn't, he couldn't let it go. So he's praying in the Holy Ghost. He doesn't know what to do. And he feels the spirit of God just leading, jump in the car. He jumps in his car and he starts driving through Nashville, Tennessee and just praying, praying in the Lord, just and, and stirring himself up, drives 30 minutes through all sorts of roads of Nashville and he didn't know where he was going. Pulls up into this derelict house in a ran-down neighborhood, shuts the car off, goes and knocks on the door and opens it. It's a drug den full of smoke, everybody in there high, and he looks across the room and his daughter's sitting on the couch. He walks in and he grabbed his daughter, who was my youth pastor when I got radically saved, picks her up in his arms, turns and carries her right out of that room back to the car. And he gets home and the next day in the front page of the newspaper, in that house, they had injected themselves with heroin that was laced with formaldehyde And two of those kids died that night. But God said, not your daughter. She will fulfill the plan and the call that I have for her life. Think about that, guys. The Holy Spirit on the inside of you, supernaturally leading you. One time I was washing the dishes at home. 
like every good husband does. And uh, don't you love when husbands wash the dishes? Like we expect like special treatment. Honey, did you see I washed the dishes? But did you notice I washed the, babe, babe. You're like a little kid, like expecting a treat. Do I get candy? Do I get ice cream? And uh, so I washed the dishes. It was a good time. And we lived in a tiny house at this time. So our dishwasher was one of those pathetic dishwashers that only moves food around. So we never washed in the dishwasher. We would use it as a drying rack. Uh, and so I'm washing the dishes, and I'm putting it in the drying rack dishwasher. And uh, I just begin to just pray in, the, pray in tongues. I'm just stirring myself. I've just felt it's the Holy Spirit. And as I'm praying, suddenly from my mouth, I actually begin to speak out, Lord, I thank you for your protection over my household, that no weapon formed against my kids can prosper, that we are safe, that we are sound, that you have set your angels encamped about us, that all is well in this house. And as I'm praying and I'm just speaking it out, I, I turn and I was putting dishes down and I had put the sh very sharp, um, I don't know what you call it, chef knife in there. I just washed it. And Ellie was just over two and a half or something like that. And Emma was like a year old. And so Emma's crawling on the ground and Ellie walks up to the, to the dishwasher and grabs that chef knife and turns as fast as she can, full sweat, just like that, right at her sister Emma. It wasn't like intentional to hurt her. I think she just slipped and this knife comes and just right at Emma, right at her face. And I watched this chef knife catch Emma's eyebrow just right there and barely scratched her. I mean, it didn't even make a drop of blood. It just gave a scratch. And then I grabbed the knife, I put the knife up and I closed the dishwasher and I was like, you know, thank you, God, for the Holy Spirit, because this could have gone really bad. Uh, and imagine trying to explain that to your wife the time you did the dishes, and this is what happened, you know. And I just remember in that moment just thinking, just the overwhelming gratitude for God. Like, I had no idea what I'm praying about. I didn't, I wouldn't never thought it. I wasn't, I was worried. I didn't think things like that, but it's like the Holy Spirit's like, Caleb, this moment's coming. Just speak it out. And then I look down and see it, and I picked up both my kids, and I'm hugging them, and Emma was crying, but more just from the shock, and no blood whatsoever. So when Kirsten got home, it turned from a horrible story to a testimony of how amazing her husband is, that he's full of the Holy Spirit and power, that when he speaks things out, things happen. Amen, hon? So close your eyes, lift your hands, get ready to receive, babe. And she's like, ooh. You know, not really. She was like, you moron. Why'd you put the sharp knife? And I'm like, whatever, baby, but you missed the miracle. <laughs> Don't focus on that. Focus on the miracle. My God. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, when you are in the flesh, you're confused, you're scared, you're worried, and you're anxious. But if you learn how to tap into the spirit of God, all of that has no access to you there. In the spirit of Christ on the inside of you, you are standing always in that perfect position before the Lord in the holy of holies, declaring the perfect will of God and knowing things that you don't even know you need to know. And whether you know them by the flesh or you're just speaking by the spirit, God is preparing a way for you to keep moving forward and keep advancing his kingdom. Amen. Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in seeing lives touched and changed by the love and power of Jesus, you can give online at www.riverclaremont.com. Your prayers and financial support are changing lives.